Welcome into the Big Red Zone podcast. What is up to all of our listeners? I am one of your hosts, Max. I am one of your other hosts, Brad. And I am your other, other host, Roy. And we're so happy to be here, guys. Back in person, back feeling the vibes of Brad's currently orange lit up room. How's everyone doing? I'm feeling good. The vibes are immaculate, as Max said. It's always a different element to the pod game when you're in person versus virtual. Nothing can really replicate it, you know? Yeah, I mean, th- there's nothing quite like uh, potting on a uh, Monday night. On our first day of classes night. So, Class, whole, so should, should we just jump right into syllabi and classes and how... Yeah, so how many yeah. credits is everyone <laughs> taking? Uh, wait, wait, wait. What percentage does a midterm count for? Nah, yeah. let's talk some football. <laughs> All right. Sadly, we missed a pod last week for the uh, for the wild card round, but we're back and we're covering the divisional round in the championship. So, guys, let's talk some games. What'd you guys see this last weekend? Uh, I saw some uh, pretty good football, but also some pretty you know games that I thought would be pretty close but didn't actually turn out that way I feel like some teams just play flat without energy without a sense of urgency I feel like half the teams showed up like it was a playoff game and the other half just showed up like it was week eight and just didn't really show any energy out there what about you guys yeah, so I think it'd be best if we go game by game, you know, maybe talk through some of the takeaways. I'm a generalizations guy. Yeah, I'm yeah, very no, no, high no. level. Why are you hating I'm a high level really? football mind. Guys, 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 there's some tension here. Can we all just go around and say something nice about yeah, each other? I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, man, I just want to keep it organized, you know, keep, keep it clean for the fans. But let's start off with uh, Chiefs-Jags. So a highly anticipated game between, you know, Two young up-and-coming quarterbacks, you know, maybe at a little different stages of their careers, but still a lot of hype for this game. Safe to say didn't really live up to the hype? Yeah, I think it's definitely safe to say, even though, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this, the Jags were knocking on the door before that Agnew fumble towards the end of the game. I feel like they crept back. Um, like at the end of obviously the wild card game where the Jags had the incredible comeback victory against the Chargers, rest I kind of rest rest in peace Chargers like forever and all eternity. But I thought that the you know I feel like when the Jags won that game, I feel like my, I was thinking potentially some other NFL fans were thinking like man like the Chiefs Jags Chiefs Chiefs are obviously gonna win. Like I feel like they might not put up a good competition. I know at least a couple people that were saying that to me, and I also was definitely of that party. But I feel like the Jags held their own. Like, out of all the games that were happening this wildcard weekend, I feel like people were giving them, like, the least chance to win. But I feel like they held their own in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, I gotta agree with Roy and disagree with Max here in the sense that um, I think this was a, a, a good game. Now, you know, I think that, like, you know, something that we've been talking about a lot last couple weeks is, you know, what defines a good game. I mean, you know, somebody was telling me, I think it was Roy, that there just haven't been a lot of high-scoring games uh, this NFL season, but uh, I don't think that a lack of high-scoring games has meant a lack of good games. I mean, a lot of NFL games have gone down to the final minutes of the game, and like you know, I think that's all you can ask for in a good game. And for me personally, I thought the Chiefs were going to blow out the Jags. I mean, I thought they were, I thought they were going to absolutely blow them out. Maybe it'd be close for a little bit at the beginning, but then the Chiefs would pull away at, at minimum something or at maximum something akin to what the Niners did to the Seahawks and kind of was close until half and then the Niners just pulled away uh but I was slightly surprised by the Jags I thought they put out a, a great effort um I I really can't say they were out of it until the fumble and like you know fumbles happen to like you know the best of teams um the only one thing I'll say is that Mahomes was not fully healthy so I wonder how you know the the, the rest of that game would have gone if we had a more mobile and healthy Mahomes yeah, I think that was a big thing. I think that was my one disappointment with the Jags. It's that I think they had a chance. Like, obviously, you don't wish injuries upon anyone. But I think with Mahomes not at 100%, I would almost expect them to capitalize. And it's kind of like Roey said. They were almost a little flat. It kind of took the second half for them to be really in it and really energized. And that kind of corresponded with Mahomes playing. So end of the day, the Jags, very impressive run, obviously. Like, before the season, I don't think anyone expected them to be in the divisional round considering they're fresh off a number one pick but I was almost hoping for a little more I mean in all fairness no like in all fairness how much more can you ask for I mean they started like four and seven 
Not only did they win the division versus the Titans, who had won it definitively for the last like two or three seasons, they not only won the division, they beat the Chargers, and then they kept it close within a touchdown to the Chiefs. I mean, I, you know, short of like winning the game, which like you know would have been nice. I mean, I, I kind of just gotta disagree a little bit. I mean, like, what more could you have asked for here? I think just for a little more energy, like like that's I just felt they were a little flat like that's the thing and I would have thought obviously it's hard to play you know against a team with an injured quarterback especially the best injured quarterback in the league but at the end of the day that's kind of also an opportunity because you know the other team isn't at a hundred percent and I would have wanted them to take that next step and take a lead you know and obviously they didn't and maybe they're just not there yet but that's kind of what I was hoping for as an NFL fan. Yeah, I think that definitely an argument could be made that some of the players dropped the ball, kind of literally Jamal Agnew. But uh, just like moving on to, you know, their coaching staff and what they've been able and the culture they've been able to create. I got to like hats off to Dougie P and D- Doug Peterson, just like leading that Yikes. team, turning it completely around 360. I just want to pitch a question to you guys. If y'all were starting the classic, if y'all were starting a football franchise, would you, at the helm, head coach, rather have Dougie P or Sean McDermott as your head coach? Right oh, now? Dougie P for sure. Like, the, whoa, whoa, whoa! You said three days ago that Sean McDermott was a better coach than Dougie P in an off-the-record conversation, <laughs> but still. So I'm holding you accountable. First for this. of all, can't prove anything. Second of all, I did say that though. Um, and uh, then I saw the Bills Bengals game. Um, and, you know, Dougie P, as Rowie called him, uh, did not have a lot to work with. No, he didn't. Like, he, he had, you know, he had some weapons. But, like, when you look at the Bills and you look at the Jags, one team has more playmakers, the other doesn't. Especially on defense. Um, and one did more with less and the other one did less with more. Now, that being said, if you look at their careers, I think you probably... Um, also should take Dougie P just because Dougie P has a Super Bowl ring. Uh, whereas, um, whereas Sean McDermott, you know, he ain't got no rings. <laughs> Not even a what? You can't confirm that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Back check at the end of the show. I, I think it's a super good question at the end of the day. Um, I think probably Sean McDermott by the skin of his teeth because Sean McDermott, Wait, skin of his teeth? Yeah, have you never heard that yeah, expression? expression? Really? Yeah. yeah. But there's no what? What do you mean? Like enamel? <laughs> skin I, of his teeth? I cannot confirm the origin right. of this right. phrase, but it is a phrase. <laughs> clearly, clearly we're seeing... We gotta seeing... have a Google guy in this Yeah, podcast. I was gonna say. It's like a guy who Google. If you're interested in being our yeah. Google guy, please send a resume to bigredzone at gmail.com. <laughs> does that email exist? It does not, but we'll make it. <laughs> okay. um, Sorry to interrupt. It was almost as if you were doing a segue. <laughs> but anyway i think if you look at their careers it's close i think it's super close but i think sean mcdermott hasn't had any bad years and there are a couple of bad years for dougie p in philadelphia i think dougie p is an offensive guy so if i'm starting a team i'd probably go offense over defense but I literally think it's a tie, and I'm just going on no bad years for Sean McDermott. Uh, so I'll say him. If I may just interject, uh, skin of my teeth is actually a phrase from the Bible. Uh, in Job 19.20, the King James Version of the Bible says, My bone cleaveth to my skin and to my flesh, and I am escaped by the skin of my teeth. There you go. No Google guy required. Brad is our Google guy. Yes. And even though we just read from the Bible, we are accepting of uh, all religions on the non non secular podcast. Non secular. Thank you for the clarification. But we love and include one and all. Exactly. Yes. Where were we? Oh yeah, Dougie P versus uh, Sean McDermott. Um, I just at this point, I feel like I would go with Dougie P. I feel like I will. I'm sure we'll dive into this later. I obviously picked the Bills to win as I have like the past. Just at least make it to the Super Bowl uh, as I have the past couple years. And they just kept failing me. At some point, I have to wonder if, you know, people are going to clamor about how it's not Josh Allen's fault. 
and it's not the top-rated defense's fault, then it has to be someone's fault. I feel like I just have to at least shoulder some blame on Sean McDermott. And at some point, you have to wonder, is this a coach that's really ever going to lead them on a Super Bowl run? Because he's giving them a chance every year for sure. There's no bad years where they flop. They're making the playoffs. But Doug P has shown that he can make unexpected runs in the playoffs, whereas the Bills haven't yet, to my as far as I've seen, been able to pull out a game that they shouldn't have won in order to make that next jump to the Super Bowl. So I'm picking Dougie P for now. No, that's for sure. And I would just like to say that I, I do regret, uh, you know, ranking Sean McDermott above uh, Dougie P a <laughs> um, couple days ago. But I, I, I do just want to touch on one thing. I want to get, you know, both of your opinions on this. Um Offensive versus defensive head coach. I mean, you know, when, when you look at the divisional round coaches, I think, and I could be wrong, Sean McDermott was the only defensive-minded uh, head coach there. Um, and I'm just curious, do you see the evolution of the league moving towards, uh, like, do, do you see the offensive head, offensive-minded head coaches are being more successful? Do you think that's a trend that we're seeing? Or do you think it was just so happened? I mean, what, what, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Well, I almost think it's less so than it was a couple of years ago, right? You almost saw that Sean McVay revolution where it seemed like everyone was trying to f- hire anyone that was associated with Sean McVay. And I think the league has almost kind of taken a step back from that. Like, obviously, it's not exclusive offense versus defense. Like, you saw offensive guys like Nathaniel Hackett flop more that just aren't coming to mind right now I think it almost comes down to how good of a people's coach it is because I think the number one trait a coach needs to have is being able to motivate their team and I think it's easiest when you have a direct line to the quarterback and so I think if I'm starting a team I kind of lean for the offensive guys but if you look at it you know Mike Tomlin Sean Payne Bill Belichick like there's a proven track record of having defensive guys win for sure. But th- those three guys you mentioned are definitely still going strong to some extent, but they're in a slight way like the previous generation's yeah, absolutely. coaches. I feel like when I think about top coaches in this generation, I think of Kyle Shanahan and I think of Andy Reid. And both those coaches, reg- irrespective of offensive, defensive, they're both coaches that just absolutely scheme up opponents. Like yep. They're not one of these coaches like Mike... Um, um, flop. McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, thank you, or Sean McDermott, who just kind of like manages the people, but lets the offensive coordinator call the offense and the defensive coordinator call the defense. Because both the Bills and the Cowboys, sure, it's just like one game samples, but still have like in recent history with those coaches not have gone up success. Whereas we've seen coaches like Andy Reid or Shanahan either make it or win Super Bowls. It so happens that both of those coaches are have like, you know, very well thought out offensive schemes and to me at least are much more in touch with the offensive side of the ball than the defense. So personally I'd probably lean towards offensive guru also to Max's point. I feel like quarterback is the most important position. But I just feel like having a coach that's directly involved in the scheme is of component that, you know, is really important. And I feel like teams that are just trying to hire these like big macho just like manager coaches just aren't you know having as much success right now yeah so sh- i mean assuming it's okay with our uh you know transition uh you know master over here you know would it be all right if we transition to the next game max it would be all right please transition us cool so how about the giants eagles game um i i think you know, not not to speak for both of you, but I think a lot less close of a game, a lot less uh, strong of an effort by the Giants than I think we were all hoping for. Um, I know that in some of the previous matchups this year, the Eagles had blown out the Giants, and with the way the Giants had played versus the Vikings and in the final couple of weeks, I think we all sort of, I don't know if the word is expected or thought that it was going to be more of a game, uh, but once again, we saw another blowout by the Eagles. I guess my question is for you, what do you think this is about the Giants and are the Eagles for real? Well, I'm, I'm going to speak first as our podcast local Danny Dimes truther. <laughs> uh, that I can confirm. Yeah, I've been on the hype train for a while now. Look back in the records as of two years ago. I'm on the record saying get, he'll five. win them some playoff <laughs> games. Yeah, episode five. I'm sure they've already seen it. it, though, because <laughs> who hasn't seen episode five? Um, Everyone's seen episode five. <laughs> 
So I was expecting the Jazz to keep it close because I thought they were doing really good things offensively, even with a limited amount of weapons. I thought Daniel Jones was playing really well, Saquon playing really well, Dayball scheming it up really well, and obviously it didn't end up happening. That being said, I don't look at this as some great disappointment. Like I think the Giants, almost like the Jags, no matter what they did in this round, it couldn't have been a disappointment. Like I said to Brad, they were playing with house money. They were a year ahead of schedule, no weapons, and I think they had a great season. Obviously, this does cast some doubt on Daniel Jones because of, like, he was playing really well, and now in the biggest stage of his career, he faltered. But I think no matter what, they're going to bring him back on a franchise tag, give him one more de- one more year, and I don't think this says anything too bad about the Giants. Yeah, I think if I'm a Giants fan, I'm pretty happy. Also, the resurgence of Saquon, too. That's been a theme throughout the entire year. I think... They've built a good culture there with Dayball. I think whenever, you know, you flop this bad in the playoffs, it's definitely going to be somewhat alarming, I feel like, to any fan base. But I'm I'm impressed overall with the Giants season. It was just really tough to see them come out with very little energy. But that being said, to give to answer that second question, if the Eagles are for real, their defense just looked phenomenal. Like offensive side, that's kind of been, you know, plugging away the whole season. Their defense just looked crazy. When the score was, I believe, 0-28 to at halftime, just as a Chargers fan, I knew the Eagles would win, but I just wanted to see if there was another game that, you know, would, another team that would let an opponent creep back in. But the Eagles actually finished the game, I believe, with the higher point differential than it was at halftime. Like, there was a 1% shadow of doubt with that first Giants touchdown that took them, I think, not their first drive, but second drive to score. But the Eagles' defense really stayed stout, whereas many other defenses around the league start going to this cushion, give 15, 20-yard passes, and then soon enough, the opponent not necessarily overtakes the lead, but at least gets some garbage-time points. Eagles didn't even give garbage-time points. Like The Eagles' defense played four quarters. It was really impressive. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to be honest, and like, you know, I'm not trying to start any tension here, but it seems like both of you are being kind of hypocritical to the Jags. I mean, you know, last year the Jags were the worst team, right? Like, they had the first overall pick. And the Giants were pretty bad. Uh, I mean, not as bad as they were with Joe Judge. But, you know, like, they were they were pretty bad, um, you know, last couple of years. And, you know, Danny Dimes, as Max, uh, you know, so dutifully loves, uh, had a lot of fumbles and a lot of interceptions. And he was turning over the ball a lot. And this year, they make the playoffs. They make it as far as the Jags did. And I get that it was a lot less close of a game, but y'all are like, you know, you, you can't say that it was disappointing for the Jags to sort of like almost beat the Mahomes, oh, even though he was like, you know, the Mahomes is cheese, even though Mahomes is injured, and not give credit. Now, I'm, I don't think that it was a disappointing game. I think if you're a Giants fan, like, you know, you have a lot to look forward to. That being said, it was a, not a great performance by the Jags. Well, okay, I. I just want to backtrack. I'm not disappointed in the Jags season. I'm disappointed in that game specifically, just like I'm disappointed in this game specifically for the Giants. Like, the Giants obviously came out flat, and I think they should have kept it close, but they didn't. And I think there's a lot more to say positive about the Giants season, as well as the Jags season, which I'm remiss to say. I probably didn't give them enough credit, but I just want to address the positives rather than the No, of course. And, like, you know, I, I guess all I'm trying to say is that, you know, I think the future is very bright for the Giants and I am on the record off uh, off the pod of saying that I really like Brian Dable as head coach. I mean, I think he's a great value add to his team. That being said, the Giants played the Eagles twice this year. They've seen them play. There's this was a bad performance. I mean, this was a bad performance and I don't think it's one that they can't overcome I have no doubt they will be back with a vengeance next year and you know this might just be one of those it's the Eagles year type of situations maybe that's how it'll all play out that being said I don't I wasn't super happy with the performance if I'm if I'm a Giants fan no absolutely I I think just going back to your other question I think this says more about the Eagles than it does about the Giants like I, I'll give myself a little pat. I'm the I'm the only person to pick the Eagles on this pod to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC. Let's now, let's let's see how the obviously we'll see how it plays out. But 
I don't think you guys can argue that right now they're probably the favorite based on this performance, right? I'm I'm comfortable picking nine. I feel, right, like, I feel right. like I I would agree. Betting most of, favorite. Most of America. Would yeah, probably yeah. Pick. Bet, betting favorite, right? Yeah. And I think what the the Eagles did one thing that I found really smart was there's a lot of concerns going into this game, right? How is Jalen Hurts? Is his shoulder okay? Can he throw? Can he run? And it was something like the third play where they dialed up this beautiful deep bomb completion, and it's like all those concerns melted away. Two plays after that, QB run, first down. I think Nick, Nick Sirianni played it really smart that right away we're going to make the Giants conscious that we are at full strength. We want to make them know. We want them to know that they need to beat the full team, not just us at 80%. I think coaching like that and plays like that from their QB will get them as far as they want to go. Yeah, that's definitely true. Also, speaking to Brad's point about a division game, usually when you are playing a team that's within the division, regardless of how good the teams are, there's still that element of anything can happen just because the teams know each other so well. Whereas if you're playing a team that you haven't faced all season, you know, blowouts sometimes are more likely to happen just because like one team just didn't know what to expect and completely misprepared for the game. So in this game, obviously the Eagles won both times. So there was probably a mental element where the Giants were thinking, man, are we really going to win? Whereas the Eagles players were probably thinking, we've done this before, let's do it again. But I'd definitely like to see a closer game in a division in division game. But yeah, hats off to the Eagles. They definitely, I feel like, showed why they're the favorites to go to the Super Bowl on paper or according to America or whatever. But then again, the, I think the, the defense they're facing next week isn't dependent upon like players who are less established in the league like Kayvon Thibodeau are still trying to become these week-in, week-out ballers. They're really going to have to face probably their biggest challenge of the season next week, and I'm all for it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, just to add on to what Rilly said, you know, I'm not trying to throw any shade against the Ravens, but, like, you know, after seeing the Bengals' performance about the against the Bills, which we'll get to, like, I don't think the Ravens had any business being in that game so closely when they played the Bengals. But it was a division game. You know, like the two teams know each other well. It was a tighter game. I can't tell you as a Pats fan how many times the Pats teams would be good and we'd still be in a, like, you know, a, a slog fest against the Bills or the Jets just because it's a division game. So that's all I meant by, like, the Giants-Eagles. That, like, you know, you would have thought that it was going to be a little bit closer since the two teams know each other so well. That being said, sort of transitioning to my thoughts on the Eagles, you know, I think they're really good. Um... You know, had we not seen kind of the last five games for the Eagles, I think I'd be a lot more confident in picking the Eagles over the Niners, and I might have picked them as a Super Bowl pick. And I'll be honest with you, seeing them play yesterday back at full strength, it looked like the team we were seeing before those last kind of five games of the season. So, you know, my, my pick could be in jeopardy here. Like, I am not, com- I have not written off the Eagles by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's going to be a great game. As Rowie said, though, Niners defense is very good, and that's going to be a tough challenge for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll we'll kind of preview that game a little bit more later on. So we'll hold on. We'll hold off on the head-to-head picks. Do you guys have anything more to say about this game? Not really, right? Kind of blowout. Honestly, not too much. Giants, good season, bad game. Eagles, good season, good game. So let's move on to the Bills versus Bengals. We kind of addressed this a little bit when we talked about, you know, Sean McDermott and the disappointing season. But I have to say, also a disappointing game. You know, there were a lot of storylines here, you know, from the incomplete factor to what happened the last time these teams met to kind of, is this the Bills year? As Rowe said, can the Bengals get back there, you know, perform as well as they did last year? And the Bengals, from the very first drive, fully wiped the, wiped the floor with them. Yeah, I mean, I definitely expected a better performance out of the Bills. I obviously picked them to go to the Super Bowl. I have been the past couple of years. I feel like this game has finally taught me that probably my belief in the Bills was probably too optimistic. I think that they're far from a team that solidified themselves as, a, you know, like, you know, an opponent that can, you know, actually make Super Bowl runs. They still got a little bit of a ways to go. Um, but yeah, I feel like it, it was a home game in Buffalo. Could have arguably, should have arguably been a neutral game. So I feel like the Bills already had a slight advantage yeah, coming in. Agreed. They had a lot to play for with DeMar Hamlin being in the stadium to watch the game. But ultimately, I was wrong. A lot of America was wrong. And Brad was right on the pod, you know, picking uh, the Bengals over the Bills. 
I, I, I just, also picked the Bengals over the Bills. All right, well, well Brad wanted the shout-out. So right, right. Whoa, shout whoa, out. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I got to say, though, I am so happy right now. Not because the Bills lost, but because, what would you say, like eight weeks ago or so? I, um, you know, I was talking with, with Roey, Max, uh, and Alex, who has, you know, usually been like a, a strong listener of our pod, um, and I said that the the Dolphins were not good. This is when they were 8-3. and three. I said they were not good. I said the Bills were not nearly as good as everyone was vaunting them up to be. And I said that the Bengals were the best team in the AFC, followed by the Chiefs with a gap, followed by everybody else, probably the Bills next. And, you know, we'll see Bengals versus Chiefs. I'm like, you know, I'll hold off on talking about that. But, um, yeah, this for me comes down to they are who they thought we, they, they, they are who I thought they were. They, they, they are who I thought they were. That the Bills have not been able to win the big game. And they're also, um, you know, going the wrong way. I mean, because three years ago, they made it to the AFC uh, championship game. Uh, they, they lost to the Chiefs. Then they lost to the uh, to the Chiefs in the uh, last year in a close game in the divisional round, and then this year they lost by 17 points to the Bengals uh, in the divisional round. Um, and you know I'm not gonna start with Josh Allen's bad or anything like that. I think that he needs a better supporting cast around him on offense. But until the Bengals, until the Bills can show me like they actually are capable of winning the big game against the good teams, I- I'm gonna have a hard time picking them. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a tough game to analyze, honestly, from my perspective, because the Bills just came out so flat. Like, like you could tell that they kind of missed Vaughn Miller and some of the other guys that they've had injured on defense because consistently the Bengals were just getting pressure. And Josh Allen's a guy who will escape that pressure, so it might have not come up in the sack count, but constantly, Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson, just coming around the edge and making his life difficult. And that might speak to a lack of O-line, but contrast that with Joe Burrow, who last season, the biggest issue was sacks, sacks, and more sacks. Just looked comfortable, had all day in the pocket to pick out his guys. Great receivers, not just one, multiple great receivers. And that lack of supporting cast, even though Josh Allen has some good weapons around him, it just still really costs him in the big moments, especially. For sure. I also think that in addition to O-line pass game, the Bills just failed to establish a run, which especially in yep. a snow game is super is very crucial. I feel like not only do they rely on Josh Allen to have this phenomenal game in the, you know, in the air just passing the ball, they also rely on him to somehow also be their top rusher, which does work out some games where he gets nearly 100 rushing yards. I think he's one of the top QB rushers in terms of statistics. But when you have no running game from your backfield with guys like Devin Singletary and uh, Cook, who, James Cook, who are, you know, kind of like week on, week off, sometimes week on, two weeks off types of players, I feel like for the Bills to take that next step, they have to develop a good running game. Uh, Roy, I don't mean to interrupt you here, but we do actually do have some breaking news on this pod. This is a big red zone first. We do have some breaking news. I just saw some tweets from Stefan Diggs addressing his, uh, behavior, uh, you know, on the field, sort of like, uh, we saw a video of him yelling at, uh, Josh Allen and then leaving the locker room super early. Uh, Stefan Diggs tweeted three, uh, times. He said, want me to be okay with losing? Nah. Want me to be okay with our level of play when it's not up to the standard? Nah. It's easy to criticize my reaction more than the result. So I just wanted to, to share that, you know, put that out. Those are three different tweets. Those are three different tweets. Got it. But we had some breaking news for the first time on the pod. Bro, <laughs> I don't know. You can give Stefan Diggs props because there are all those pictures of him staying after and watching yeah. the other team celebrate. But it honestly just comes off as kind of immature yeah. and kind of phony at the end of the day. I think so too. Like, he's a great receiver, and I'm not going to go so far as to, like, call him a locker room cancer or anything else, because it's, like, throughout his years in Buffalo, there really hasn't been much, but he comes off as, like, a little bit of a diva, and I think, I think Josh Allen needs one more piece around him other than Stephon Diggs to make him really comfortable in that offense. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I'd rather have a wide receiver that's so emotionally upset about the game and cares so much that he's going to yell at a guy he obviously, like, truly likes off the field. Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs have always said they're best friends. You know, I'm from Rochester. There's always Allen Diggs 2020. 
2024 presidential uh, signs kind of, you know, so I feel like... Would, would that, vote for them, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That, we're, that, we're also a nonpartisan podcast, once, but still. Once, once you yeah, start a political ex- Except pod. all political parties wanted to. <laughs> exactly. But I think that... I, I don't have a doubt that those two's bond and relationship is strong. What, what I'm trying to say is that I'd rather have a wide receiver that gets emotional and upset than have a bunch of wide receivers that when the camera pans over them, when their season's about to end for like the third year in a row in another tragic game... That they're just kind of chilling, no one cares, they're just kind of chatting it up. That would honestly kind of aggravate me more and concern me more as a Bills fan. Yeah, I mean, like, you don't want to see, like, your players, like, entering dog shows, right? Like, over, like, breaks <laughs> they have. Uh, shout out to the Chargers. Anywho, sorry, that was uncalled for, right? I apologize. Um, you know, my thoughts on Diggs, uh, you know, I don't really have any specific thoughts on Diggs' reaction. I think you both covered it. What I do want to say is, you know, addressing my supporting cast comment, Diggs is very good. He's very, very good on the field. And Allen and Diggs have an unreal connection. And they they connect a lot. I think the problem is, is that in big moments, Allen tries to sort of, like, force it to Diggs. You know what I mean? Because, like, he, like, like he's the best receiver, one and all, among the other, like, receivers they have on that team. Uh, and when you're double-teaming Diggs, you know, like, it makes those, you know, passes harder to complete. So I really like to see them get a number two, a really good and dependable one, number two, so that in some situations, like, you know, Allen doesn't have to feel like his best shot at making a play is getting the ball to Diggs. And once again, run game. Get a running back. Absolutely. Running game, yeah. No, because play action. Can you imagine Josh Allen off of play action? Yeah. Like like a real, exactly. true, like, play action. I, I think one of the most telling and interesting things from that game was that constantly on, like, third and eight, I don't know, second and 10, something like that. Josh Allen would just constantly chuck it deep, usually towards Gabe Davis, maybe to Cole Beasley. And obviously Gabe Davis is a good deep receiver. But when that's your look on a must-have down, like something's not right. And you can give the the Bengals credit for making life for him uncomfortable. You can give them credit for clamping down digs. But and you can also take away credit from Josh Allen for saying maybe that's some level of still QB immaturity that he needs to grow out of. But that was just super weird to me. Well, you can also argue, you can also give the Bengals credit that when they were in those second and ten, third and eight situations, like, you know, they were surgical and sort of like not trying to go for like the deep bomb. Which they get, have. Get, like, which, Jamar which Chase is have. a great deep And they did, it, they did it like one or two times in that game. Like, you know, they valued the first down. Yep. And sort of like we're surgical in that. Uh, I do just want to defend Josh Allen a little bit. Uh, he said in his post game presser somewhere that uh, he's never um, like are, like questioned a play call. And like you know, look, I don't know how much of those deep bombs were called up to Allen. Like the Ken Dorsey was like, "This is what we're doing," and Josh Allen was like, "Yep." Or Josh Allen had the option and he chose to force it down. Like I don't know what the makers of the play were, but. I do think Josh Allen is 100% taking, like, orders from Ken Dorsey. So I think if we're going to, you know, have an issue with the play calling, we should not just put it on Josh Allen. Like, let's talk, like, like then you got to start blaming Ken Dorsey, too. Yeah, I think if we're thinking about the same play, it was a deep ball to Gabe Davis where it was almost like some, like, it, I think it could be argued that it would have been a catch in, like, a sunny, if it was a sunny day. Maybe. Um, yeah. But that, that obviously should be factored in when you're calling plays. That it's snowy, the ball's going to be slippery, and people aren't always going to come down with you know difficult contested catches. But yeah, I think overall uh, the the bang the the Bills defense just letting the Bengals get first down after first down. I feel like it's not the first time that we've seen that from a Bills defense in the playoffs. Like the Chiefs last year in the tragic what was a twelve or thirteen second game. You know, I feel like whenever the Bills panic, whenever it's a big game, they just go into this soft cushion zone. And I know that Leslie Frazier loves to play zone, but I feel like it would just be very frustrating as a Bills fan in crucial downs where you want tight coverage and guys to swap balls away from guys like Jamar Chase, where they just play soft zone and allow like 10-yard comeback routes where Joe Burrow's just throwing it in a clean pocket. I feel like it was just really frustrating to see, especially when, like Max said earlier, you don't have your premier pass rush guy in Von Miller. You don't have your starting safety in Mika Hyde. Like, you, you want tighter coverage. I feel like dropping into zone, they repeated the same mistake in another big playoff divisional game. Yeah, all, all that being said, like, the Bills aren't going anywhere. They're not getting rid of Josh Allen. They're not firing Sean McDermott. They're more likely than not keeping digs. Von Miller's coming back. Like, the band's going to get back together, and they're once again going to be one of the best teams in the AFC. It's just whether they can get across that Whoa. Oh, this is exactly what I'm talking about. The band's coming back together. They're not going anywhere short, right? But 
I'm not going to be able to pick them in the big game next year. I'm not talking regular season. I'm talking like if we get if, like they're going to be in the playoffs again, right? Sure. Like they're going to they're going to win the AFC East and they're going to win the wild card weekend game. So it's going to be back to the division around next year. And if you're asking me right now, I don't know who they're playing yet, so like you know it could change. I'm going to have a real hard time picking the Bills after three years of a sample size. Yeah, I think I think it just depends on how their run game proves. But if it's the same type of team, then I'm with you. Yeah, absolutely. I want to get one more quick note on this game because well, like we've covered the Bills a lot, but I think we'll talk about the Bengals more when we preview their uh, AFC Championship matchup. I think I know how my uh, pod mates are going to lean on this issue, but Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen. You're starting a franchise. Who do you take? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. I think as of a couple weeks ago, I probably would have said Josh Allen, but Joe Burrow just wins wherever he goes, Joe Burrow. I think Josh Allen has higher upside for sure. I think that uh, he's a tank. His run game is legit. Like when he runs, whether it's designed or, you know, option, he gets yards. And he's a big, big dude, and I think he has a great arm. That being said, the last couple years as a sample size, Joe Burrow just far more consistent. Yeah, that's fair. That's the way I would lean as well. You know, Josh Allen more upside. And keep in mind, I think, at least in my book, these are like two and three in the league after Mahomes. So splitting hairs here. But yeah, I think Joe Burrow just wins. And the fact that he's been able to carry Zach Taylor's bad coaching ass to the AFC Championship and, and the Super Bowl last year, like, speaks volumes about hey, it. You just gave credit to the Bengals coaching staff a couple minutes ago. So. To, to qualify that statement about Joe Burrow over Josh Allen, I don't know if it'll ever have to be the case. For his sake, I hope not. I'll be interested to see how to what extent Joe Burrow can carry if the run defense falls off and if their defense falls off too because their defense is always Absolutely. incredible, like limiting opponents. It's tough to break 20 points against the Bengals. So. That being said, they don't really have a huge amount of like play, like like playmakers on defense. They're like wow. No, they just have well-rounded players. They, they're just yeah. like situationally very, very yeah. solid. I mean, like when Eli Apple is one of your better corners, like yeah. you know, like versus like Tre'Davious White, like you know, like one of those has like a quote-unquote better player, but situationally, the Bengals have been coached well in defense. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of good defense. Segue. Let's talk about the last game. I also don't know that there's that much to say about this game, but Niners 19, Cowboys 12. Um, yeah, which featured one of the most uh, unique play calls in um, NFL history. Guys, what were some of your takeaways? Ezekiel Elliott, not a good center. Yeah, definitely not. Um, yeah, I think that the the Cowboys overall they they all they were also I feel like one of those teams that kind of played flat. Like the the Niners sometimes definitely blow out teams. This was not one of those games. This was a game where all it took was one game winning touchdown. Dak, you know, make something happen, drive away from it being a very very close ball game. And, and they had like game. four tries. And they drive. did have four tries. And Dak kept on failing time and time again. I think if anything, it showed that. I feel like the coaching staff was okay. I don't think there were glaring issues. Then again, I don't follow the Cowboys, thank goodness. But uh, I think that my takeaway was Dak is probably not the guy or a guy at this point anywhere in the NFL for any team. Yeah, I think Dak's just meh. And I think he has been probably ever since his rookie year. But, Roe, you were talking about this uh, a couple of days ago. You know, Cowboys need a face of their franchise guy. So they build up. Micah Parsons. Face of their franchise quarterback, excuse me. Um, so they kind of big build Dak up as this franchise guy. And obviously, you know, he's done well for them. He's given back to their community. He's, he's personality-wise, kind of the ideal guy you want for that franchise. But in these big moments, with a stacked roster, you can argue, one of the most talented in the NFL, dude's just not getting it done. Yeah, I mean, the, the Cowboys blew it. And what I mean by that is I think that everybody thought that you know, the Niners were going to, at some point in the game, pull away and blow them out. Because yeah. they had been doing that to literally every other team they've played at some point in, like, the last 10 games, right? And they did. Like, the, the, the game was really close. The, the Cowboys had them where they w- wanted them on a defensive perspective for pretty much the whole game. So it came down to the offense. And as Roy said, there were two drives that come to mind. One where Dak had four minutes left to get a touchdown with, like, seven points down. And then when he had a minute left. And in both opportunities, couldn't do it. I don't know how we say that's anything but, you know, Dak just not being the guy. I mean, credit where it's due to the Niners' defense, obviously. Like, this is 
the best defense in the NFL. It has been for the majority of the season. Uh, and, and I'm not taking anything away. I mean, I think that, you know, the Niners defensive unit, something we'll discuss when we preview the Niners versus the Eagles, is fantastic. But when you look at some of history's greatest quarterbacks, right? Like, you know, I'm going to use Tom Brady as an example because I'm a Pats fan, right? When they were playing the Seahawks in 2014, that was the Legion of Doom. Like, you know, the, that, that Seahawks defense was goaded. You know, they had uh, uh, Sher- uh, Richard Sherman at CB. And when Brady and the Pats needed, like, a touchdown drive the most, he did it. Like, he, 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 he had good defense. He did it. The great quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes included, when they need, um, and not just those two, but when they need touchdown drives, they get them. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the Cowboys do uh, with Dak next year. It's it's hard for me to believe, given they give him an, gave him an extension, that he'll be anywhere else but the Cowboys. But if I'm a betting man, I'm predicting that there might be some QB competition. I would hope it's someone a bit more worthy than Cooper Rush. but Derek Carr? Could be Derek Carr. I could see it. Because I feel like Derek Carr is also somewhat marketable. He's just like kind of a... You know, he, he kind of talks up the fan base. He's very aware of his fans, I feel like. So, could be. But I, I, I don't think he's going to improve their situation on no. the field, though. I don't sure. know if there's any quarterback that will really improve it. I'll yeah. be real with you. Perhaps Mac Jones. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Unless they draft a guy. Like, they're locked in the deck with his contract, too. So, I think... Yeah. I don't know. I think the Cowboys are... They're not in purgatory. Because, obviously, they went 13-4. and four. Like, they're one of the better teams in the NFL. But I don't think they're in a Super Bowl window, is the bottom line. Just to be clear, both of you don't think that Dak has played his final game as a Cowboy? No. No, I don't think so. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think so either, but, you know, I would entertain the argument. Yeah, I mean, it's just... I mean, look, I think if they got a good offer, I don't see why they wouldn't take it, to be completely honest. I just don't know which team. I don't know how much he's making. Forty. I don't know which team is paying $40 million for Dak right now after leading the league in interceptions while like not even playing all the games. I just, I just can't see it happening. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I don't know, we can talk about whether like the coaching staff is also maximizing the team that they have in front of them. Because I, like, yes, it's not on Dak because he's not delivering in big situations, but I don't think it's fully on Dak in that, you know, yes, their defense played well, but also like Zeke isn't performing. You know, obviously T- Tony Pollard went out, so they didn't have one of their playmakers. It's just... I think the bottom line is the Cowboys' talent isn't being maximized. And you can point to a variety of different places throughout their organization for that. I, I think their defensive talent is just... just, just yeah, I mean, Dan Quinn's probably getting a coach. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the defense takes a little bit of a step back next year because Dan Quinn is a phenomenal defensive coach. And he's definitely going to get a head coaching gig somewhere. Yeah. As he should. He's very deserving. I think my, my hot take is uh, Dan Quinn is going to the Broncos. I don't know if hot take or just prediction, but I think with that defense, he'd be salivating. Yeah, and the thing is, when you have a coach like Kyle Shanahan and then your OC Mike McDaniels leaves for, you know, a coordinator position because Kyle Shanahan has such a, you know, a D, uh, is so involved in the scheme of the offense, you didn't see that much change in production for the Niners offense between this year and last. Both are performing at a high level. Both are executing a scheme to near perfection during some games. But when you have a coach like Dan Quinn, who from what it seems like on the outside is just completely running that defense and taking ownership of the defense, you know, Mike Mike uh, McCarthy isn't necessarily going to be able to step in and call plays instead of him. So it'll be interesting to see how much of that is Dan Quinn dependent and how this system of having a coach who doesn't really have much of a say in the defense is going to pan out for the Cowboys. Like how sustainable is this defense? We'll have to see. Yeah, absolutely. What about Brock Purdy? I think... I don't know. Brock Purdy looked mortal. Like, like end of the day, we, we kind of covered this two weeks ago, so I don't want to harp on Brock Purdy too much. I think if he wins them the Super Bowl, he's their starter. If not, there's going to be some competition, you know? And I think last game was the first game that we saw that he didn't look great, but also at the end of the day, he did enough, and I don't think they were ever truly under pressure. I mean, yeah, I don't think... I, I feel like he didn't even... He didn't look great for sure, that's true, but... 
I feel like I don't want to say he did not look great to connote that he didn't, you know, he was bad. Because I feel like he made the throws he needed to make. I don't know. I don't think he threw a touchdown in the air. But what I did learn from Brock Purdy, and I did, I, you could correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure. I, I think he did. He but did. I, I might be wrong. I but all, all I know was that well, what, what my main takeaway from Brock Purdy in that game, sure, he didn't light up the scoreboard. Like, I, I feel like he really never does that much. But what my takeaway was, was that he's kind of the sneaky mobile quarterback. He's kind oh, of yeah. thrown that turnaround with other guys. But his ability to extend plays, even on plays where it was an incomplete pass or the ball was slightly off the mark, I feel like in this year's, at this day and age, QBs that can successfully extend plays, even in a good pocket, can really keep defense on their toes. Like Patrick Mahomes, if he was forced to stay in the pocket every play, which he kind of was towards the end of the Jaguars, we kind of got to see Mahomes, what Mahomes would be like if he was exclusively a pocket passer. He's good. he's, He's good. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't this transcendent you know, quarterback who's clearly the best in the NFL. He's just a solid guy who also on occasion when he's in the pocket misses some throws here and there. And I feel like Brock Purdy and showing that instinct and ability to just go on these escapades around, dance around guys and make throws as you're running towards the sideline. That's a skill that not many QBs are able to master. More often than not, you have QBs like Carson Wentz attempt to do that and then just throw an interception. So the QB that can either extend plays, make completions, or even extend plays and give players a chance in an incompletion, to me, that's a good sign moving forward for them, even though it didn't necessarily materialize with touchdowns in the air this game. I mean, I think what people are reacting to is that for the first time this since Brock Purdy has started, he did what everybody expected him to do when he was given the starting job, which is manage the game, don't make any mistakes, but don't really help either. And, you know... I don't think that's such a bad thing. I mean, like when you look at some of the 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 last couple of years for the 49ers, they've lost because Jimmy G didn't game manage. He threw an interception or, you know, shifted the the game or some way. And you know, the, we just spoke about how great of a defensive unit the Cowboys are, right? So, I mean, let let's not like completely fault Purdy here. It's also like the playoff jitters. I like, you know, it's his first time in. He's a rookie, Mr. Irrelevant. I'm not saying he put up a great performance, but my confidence not wavering at all for Brock Purdy. All right, then let's talk about the future rather than the past. And since we're on the Niners, let's talk about the Niners-Eagles matchup of the top two teams in the uh, NFC have kind of been throughout the year. The Niners especially coming on strong late, but definitely the top two favorites going into the playoffs. Guys, give me some of your top storylines and uh, obviously your official predictions for this matchup. Well, I just want to say that we've been talking about how Stefan Diggs was kind of uh, frustrated on the Bills sideline. Another top receiver, A.J. Brown, was kind of seemingly frustrated on the Eagles sideline towards the end of the game. I remember he was just shaking his head, not with his hand, uh, chin on his hand, just not looking happy, clearly frustrated. The camera did a good job panning on him a lot as, you know, the garbage time minutes were running out towards the end of the fourth. They they, they do love gossip, but so do we on the Big Red Zone podcast. So I'm interested to see how much he's going to be clamoring for the ball this week in meetings. And even though it might not be super wise to challenge the, the Niners in the past game, how much the uh, the Eagles really tried to stretch the field or whether they're going to take the approach that seemingly lots of other teams took where to chip away at this defense. I'm interested to see which approach the Eagles offense takes. Yeah, I think, honestly, that's a really good point. I didn't actually know that about A.J. Brown, so yeah, it's, it's good to hear some of the gossip. Th- thanks for spreading that, bro. Got you. <laughs> the next time, love the breaking news. Uh, we should have a gossip uh, little like audio thing. So we should. I mean, like, I-, I love the team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, honestly, when it comes down to it, uh, this c- a defensive matchup, first and foremost. It's can the Niners contain Jalen Hurts? And can the Eagles contain this seemingly endless list of playmakers that the Niners have? Because we talked about Brock Purdy, but the supporting cast goes on. You know, Debo, McCaffrey, Juszczyk, Kittle, uh, Ayuk. Like, you could continue naming names up and down that roster. And the Eagles' defense, especially uh, led by Darius Slan, Hassan Reddick, have been really, really stout, as Rowie kind of pointed up. And I don't think this is going to be a super high-scoring game at the end of the day. I think it's almost going to be which defense blinks first. And we'll see. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think the most interesting storyline coming into this game is Kyle Shanahan. You know, I think he's been getting a lot of love this season. 
by me included. Um, you know, I think that uh, he also has his reputation for also kind of choking in the big game. I mean, like obviously there's the uh, the Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl where they they choked big up twenty eight to three, but you know also in the last couple of years, you know they they they've been good. And they've made it pretty far, and they just haven't been able to close the door, win a win a Super Bowl championship. Now, you know, obviously we're not we're not at the Super Bowl yet, but everyone's kind of calling this Niners team like a juggernaut, like perhaps like the most loaded roster in the NFL, like you know, talent oozing from every position. Like, all right, win. Like, like, all right, win the game. Like the Eagles have been good. All right, I will. Like, win it. So that's what I'm most interested to see. And obviously, I'm biased to pick the Niners because, you know, they were my Super Bowl pick. But I think it's going to be a close game. I do. Yeah, super underrated coaching showdown, too. I think Nick Sirianni sometimes doesn't get the credit he maybe deserves as, like, the best, one of the best younger, less experienced coaches in the league. And what he's done with this Eagles team has been nothing short of incredible, honestly, turning, turning Jalen Hurts into an MVP candidate. So super interested to see that offensive showdown as well. I mean, I can honestly say I would have not have picked the Niners so emphatically had I seen this last game against the Giants because I too was, you know, buying into some of the concerns over the, you know, the Eagles' offensive health and also, like, looking at their last couple games heading into the playoffs, which, you know, were not some of their best. But uh, the Eagles are playing, if they continue against the Giants, they're playing some of their best football. The Niners are playing their best football. So I think we're going to see, you know, assuming both teams come with everything they've got, a really good game. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to it. Should we make game picks for this right now, or should we ju- analyze the other game? Picks? I, w- I would make game picks. Let's do game yeah, picks. Yeah. I mean, I'm picking with my Super Bowl, sticking with my Super Bowl winners for this year. I'm going to pick Niners over the Eagles for kind of the reasons I was said earlier about the Niners. Uh, I'm going Eagles, sticking with my Super Bowl pick. Uh, I just think genuinely Jalen Hurts can kind of carry them both with his arm and his legs in a way that Brock Purdy can't, or that. You know, maybe we haven't seen yet, but I believe in what the Eagles have been doing all year. I think they win a super close game. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with the Eagles losing and the Niners winning. Headline, buy, Eagles, buy. Um, And, you know, I, I, I... For everything I've just There's said. There's no way you came up with that. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I am original, and I came up with that on the spot. Copyright, right. Bradley Stoller, BRZ Pond. Um, but yeah, Niners are going to win this game. Yeah, so should we should we jump into our last game potentially to analyze, which is the upcoming uh, AFC Championship, or is there any interruptions I'm that good. are necessary? To I'm, good. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Okay. Do we have to? I'm just kidding. I'm yeah. Just kidding. Um. So yeah, the upcoming uh, last game probably we'll talk about today is the AFC Championship, a rematch of the AFC Championship from last year. Uh, Bengals versus the Chiefs. What are our thoughts? Well, to give, I think one of the one of the storylines for this game, I think it's. Does Burrow versus Mahomes at the Chiefs trend continue? That's obviously Burrow's beaten Mahomes at Arrowhead two or maybe even three straight times they've played there. And I think everyone wants to see, is this a fluke or does Burrow actually have Mahomes' number? Because once is a fluke, twice in a row to go to the Super Bowl, that's a pretty damn big deal, not to say once wasn't. And I want to see if Burrow can step up and go to his second straight Super Bowl, which and is win it. really hard to do, and win it this time around, like I'm calling him to do. Yeah, because there was, there was that stat coming out after Burrow lost last year where the a QB, I believe, who made it in their first, I don't know how many, like two or three seasons, like never made it to the Super Bowl again, and there was a long list of QBs who didn't. So it'd be kind of cool to see Burrow break that trend and go to the Super Bowl and defy history. Um, yeah, I guess just, just like thinking about this game at a high level, because as I said earlier, I'm a high level football player, football, uh, f- football player and also football analyst. Sec- I'm not so sec- sure about f- the football first, player first player, player then analyst, you know, okay. I'm, I'm slowly transitioning to the booth, but, um, that's really what this pod is. He's the Greg Olson it, it, it's of this one, pod. It's one big uninterrupted segues. That was what this pod is. Should we let him pick or do you think he's too like Gronk and like, you know, isn't allowed to pick? Like, yeah. And we, we don't let Rowie make his takes. We write them down on a piece of paper and make. <laughs> and make him read them out um yeah i think that i'm i'm expecting this to be a really good game um i personally if i had to pick i feel like the niners eagles game is a chance to just be a better football game overall just because whatever happens in the chiefs Bengals game I, f- I feel like one one team or another has a chance to pull away more but that's just like a hunch not nothing really uh factual behind that 
Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a good game. I think it's really just going to come down to, like you said, football play. Because at the end of the day, both of these quarterbacks are fortunate enough to have really good offensive line play. Or really good offensive lines. Not necessarily in terms of the, you know, the names on their offensive lines, but just how they've been playing the past few weeks. Both QBs are very fortunate. Both QBs have a good amount of weapons. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes has been able to make do with what he has. And both games have had sneakily good... Both teams have had sneakily good run games as well. So it's really going to come down to quarterbacks. I feel like it's one of those no excuses game uh, for Mahomes because he's just got to win if he doesn't want that narrative. Well, I mean, he kind of does have a high ankle sprain. I mean, not that I'm trying to preemptively, Mm -hmm. you know, dismiss Mahomes of all responsibility if he loses, but... You know, I, I think it's not completely unfair to, like, you know... I mean, you said yourself, like, mm-hmm. when he was, like, immobile in the pocket, we saw a little bit of a different um, type of Mahomes. True, but I think I think at the end of the day, if this, this game means too much to let a high ankle sprain that he was able to play through last game. I'm sure, I'm hoping you'll look better. I feel like, I don't think... I think he'll he'll be the last one to give excuses if he loses this game. Oh, I'm yeah, sure yeah to no, see. he's not going to be peddling mm-hmm. the excuses, yeah. but, um... Uh, I, I guess, uh, you know, what I'm super interested in this game is if Burrow wins, um, I don't know that it could be won, but you could make the argument that Burrow has had pretty much about as good of a start to his career as Patrick Mahomes. I mean, like, let's think about what Patrick Mahomes has done, right? He's been to two Super Bowls, lost versus Brady, beat the Niners, right? Joe Burrow will have, if he wins, you know, he will have made two Super Bowls. And he lost versus the Rams. And if he wins this year, you know, hypothetically, from like a Lombardi Trophy's perspective, they're even. Now, Mahomes' stats on the whole. Um, Are you saying if the Bengals win the Super Bowl this year? Or if they win this game? Uh, I mean, I guess kind of both. But like, especially if they win this game, like, you know, make it back to the Super Bowl. Okay. They'll have both been to two Super Bowls. And I get winning is important. And like, you know, we'll discuss that next week. But, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, long-winded, is that... Burrow is having a phenomenal start to his career. I think it's easy to sort of like lose perspective on that given how great Mahomes has been. But, uh, you know, I think we could be seeing two of the best, you know, quarterbacks for the next couple, like the next long couple of years um, going at it. And I don't know if Mahomes was fully healthy. You know, I think there's some added motivation there that they lost to the Bills twice and, you know, Chiefs don't lose, period. So they, 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 they don't want to be losing to the Bengals again. That being said, um, I think the Bengals capitalize on Mahomes' unfortunate injury. As Max said, we never, you know, hope for injuries here. But I think the Bill, Bengals will capitalize, not the Bills, because they're out. Make no mistake, I think that Mahomes and Joe Burrow are the top two QBs in the NFL. That's my personal opinion. NFL or AFC? In the NFL. Um, But I think that when we talk about Joe Burrow having as good a start, I think that he could if he wins the Super Bowl. It's a very real conversation. If he doesn't, I think it's definitely not as good of a start. Because what we've seen from Mahomes is even in years where he's had a god-awful O-line. If you guys remember the uh, the game against Brady, the Bucks, the reason why they lost that game and the reason why they completely revamped their O-line and drafted Creed Humphrey was because their whole line was playing terribly all game. Yeah. The Bucks were just harassing Mahomes. He was having to throw sideways, upside down. It was just crazy <laughs> what he had to go through. Joe Burrow throws from a clean pocket. I'm not disrespecting Joe Burrow. I Again, he is my top two quarterback in the NFL currently not top one I still think it's Mahomes but until I see Joe Burrow and again if he wins the Super Bowl I'm more than ready to have a conversation but until Joe Burrow is even able to lead his team to this position with the type of adversity that Mahomes had to face I'm not comfortable saying that Joe Burrow and Mahomes have had comparable starts to their career just to be also Mahomes won the MVP and will probably win again this year just to be clear I said you could make an argument I don't necessarily say that like you know I like fully believe it the other thing I want to say is same thing happened to Burrow in the Super Bowl last year. His o, his O line was awful, and they revamped and, it. And, and they revamped it. So like like th- there are some parallels. Uh, but should we do some picks? For whoa, this? whoa 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 whoa! I I haven't I haven't said my piece yet. <laughs> I got you shared at the beginning. My nah, bro. Um. Uh, anyway, I think that the thing to say is that for the last couple of years, ever since Mahomes MVP year, it's been Mahomes versus who's his biggest rival. It. It looked like Josh Allen for a little bit, right? A couple of super close, highly contested, high-scoring matchups. 
during a couple of years ago when Justin Herbert came out of the gates flying, some people were like, Justin Herbert's the next big thing in the AFC. I think now it's almost, it's not solidified because obviously there's still competition. Like, I think the AFC quarterback talent is off the charts, but I think it's Mahomes versus Burrow until one of them says otherwise. I think that's the point. It's For now, Mahomes has had the better career. He's had the longer career, obviously, but I think we will be treated to a decade, if not more, of these two quarterbacks matching up in important games. And I think that's all any of us as NFL fans could ask for. And that's all I wanted to say. Interesting tidbit. I think I remember from the broadcast, and could be wrong, I think this is the first game of the, the back-to-back rematch in an AFC championship since um, the Ravens and the Patriots. It was the Ravens and somebody. Um, I think it was in 2013 and 2014. Um, well, and in that case, was there like a repeat? Or we'll, we'll have to Google. I, 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 I'll I have to be another but, but, but Google. Meaning, meaning, meaning next it's historically been rare to have rematches in the AFC Championship game, and somehow I don't feel like this is that much of a rarity going to be going forward yep. for Mahomes and Burrow. All right, let's make some picks. Rowie, start us off. I'm picking the Chiefs to win this game. I think Mahomes shows why he's the best in the NFL. I'm picking the Bengals. They're my Super Bowl pick. They're my pick to win the Super Bowl. I think. Somehow, some way, Joe Burrow continues to have Mahomes' number on Mahomes' home turf. And I think the ankle will play a role. And I think Mahomes, maybe 80%, maybe 90%, but won't be at 100 and will not be able to carry the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, I got to pick the Bengals, too. Um, they have so much momentum coming off that last game against the Bills. Um, and uh, I, I think they'll find a way. All righty. Is that it? Uh, but before we close, I, I think we got to shout out uh, a really loyal fan of a really loyal listener of the Big Red Pod, a Big Red Zone Pod. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah. shout out Yared, um, number one fan probably. Uh, we hope you're listening now, and please continue to listen. The Big Red Zone boys are out. We'll see you next week. <laughs>